All right. Hey, guys, welcome back to Starlight. Thank you for joining us on this journey. It's been a blast. And for your listening pleasure, this is another time that we're bringing on a new guest player. But before we get to that, I just want to give a quick shout out to the Heroes Journal. Thank you, Heroes Journal, for sponsoring us. And if you haven't checked them out by whatever crazy happenstance, you definitely should, especially if you're looking to help upgrade your life in terms of productivity, as well as a good mental space. And as usual, you can check out the doobly-doo below to find the link. But it is a pleasure to have our next guest on the show, Jordan Mann. And uh, Jordan, I've known Jordan for a while now, and haven't been able to quite hang out with him as much as I'd like as I'm all the way on the West Coast and he's on the East Coast. So it is a real treat for this to be happening. But Jordan is also a professional athlete. And true to my word, I've always wanted to be able to share the this kind of like creative improv slash nerdy game with more of the uh, athletic culture, uh, especially as I didn't see that as being something that was very possible when I was in college or other spaces like that. So, um, so yeah, but as far as you guys should know, Jordan is a man of many talents. He is also quite the anime head. He makes beautiful cosplay costumes and he is also the fifth place finisher at USA's and he runs the steeplechase. And if you don't know what that is, you should definitely check that out. Steeplechase is awesome. It's this long race, about 3,000 meters, and they're jumping over these barriers that if you hit it, you could actually break something. And one of them goes into a water pit. And his PR for that is 826. And that's pretty fast, folks. So without further ado, Jordan, thank you for joining the show. How are you? Thanks for the intro, man. I'm excited and ready to go. You know, I think uh, we've been talking about trying to bring that nerd culture together for a while since I think we met in 2018 and you were uh, talking about Shikamaru since I'd mentioned that in my post, uh, post-race interview. So, uh, you know, I've never been a, a big D&D player, but, you know, I feel like cosplay is just one step short of that. And I think, uh, or even beyond that in some ways, to be honest, you know, there's 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 definitely some real overlap. So excited to uh, excited to get out here and make this thing happen. Yeah, cool, cool. Well, without further ado, why don't we jump into this episode? The camera zooms in on a planet in the XR2 solar system. It looks at the gaseous giant of Eris. From far away, if you were to look at it through a telescope, you would see kind of a dull, ruddy orange. But if you were up close, as we are now, you would find yourself at the brink of a planet that is racked with terrible storms the closer you get down to the surface, if there indeed was a surface. But we actually stay in the upper atmosphere where it is a sand orange and the clouds move in billowing waves, almost as if the atmosphere above is like its own ocean and ecosystem. And indeed it is. Dozens and dozens of adapted plant life and animals gather around, many of them floating on the winds via interesting biologically adapted uh, sacks that seem to catch the air and allow them to move about. Plants kind of like gather small clumps of one another via these long vines and 
all of that seems to be kind of going on around our main character today. Our main character stands on the edge of a platform that floats in a similar fashion to a lot of these plants and animals. It is this metallic platform that has a safe house on it. Uh, a safe house built of steel and imported rock brought here secretly from prying eyes. The safe house floats via these great balloons that hold it up and allow it to stay within the habitable zone of Eris. Behind our main character is his starship and it rests still hot from recently landing. And about him and about this safe house, we see that it appears to take the guise of an old Federation scientific outpost, though we know it's not. And as our main character holds up a data pad, runs it over the markings, its registration comes up as Outpost Zula. The scientific bots fly like droves of bees around the floating station, taking samples of the atmosphere and other various activities. As we zoom in closer to our hero, we see from behind that he is has a humanoid shape, though he's not quite too tall, maybe 5'11", has some sort of dark elf lineage that seems to have somehow morphed or been changed to have touches reminiscent of that of a dragonborn. From there, Jordan, what is your character's name? And then describe to me how they look. You weren't ready for this, were you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I really wasn't. I didn't didn't have to say I I thought I was going to start just with questions of what I needed to do. And I was like, (laughs) man, okay, I need to check check out the floating space science things. Like, I want to go in and talk to the the guild who use this as their... uh, Like, I was thinking about all those things I wanted to do. I was like, man, I wonder if I can, like, jump and, like, check in the space science Let's, let's go with, like, Jorstack. Jorstack? <laughs> yeah, there we go. Just made something up. <laughs> and what does Jorstack look like? Kind of lean, long, dreads, kind of like myself. Uh, dark skin. He's got, like, on one arm, we kind of have some, like, mechanical, like, armor going on. On my bottom, I'm kind of like a kilt guy. You know, I'm wearing like almost like a Scottish kilt with heavy boots. It's all kind of like, you know, leather bottoms. I got a backpack kind of like slung across the shoulder along the arm that has the armor. That's where, that's where I hold a lot of my items, and uh, including my trusty knife. And, uh, and my left arm just looks kind of like a human arm. The armor that you were wearing underneath it is a armored skin suit. And a good thing, too, because for your kind, for most kind like yours, this is not a habitable planet in terms of air that's breathable. Thankfully, the armor's skin suit allows you to survive in a vacuum, and here it does the job. Up ahead of you, you see the, the safe house under the name Outpost Zula, and you can see that the windows are all... Though there's only four of them on the front. They're thin and maybe you could wriggle through them but they your guess is that they're probably reinforced as well as they've been tinted completely black so that you can't see in the door seems to be this huge metallic door that closes from both sides 
and there seems to be a central locking mechanism in the center. There's a, a data pad in the center, but the center is almost like this like little bit circular reinforcement that seems to probably create some sort of locking mechanism as the two doors slide together. The scientific bots around you zoom by back and forth, and you're not quite sure where they're coming or going to, but they definitely seem to have some sort of an ecosystem and are running of their own accord here. Whether they're actually doing work or not, or it's under the guise of work, you do not know. Because the reason you have come to this outpost is you are seeking dwarves. Specifically, dwarves that have allegedly fled from the guild. The intergalactic mafia, almost essentially, or or business that has a stranglehold on, on all interstellar travel and creations of the newly found and fangled modes of transportation known as dragons, symbiotic vehicles that provide the best in luxury, as well as some of the best in terms of weaponry that can be, be had out on any interstellar travels. Now, before you go forward with whatever you're going to do, why don't you go ahead and roll me a perception roll? Oof, that's eight. Just ever so faintly, off in the distance, you swear you hear a low resonant hum. And as you look right, left, you don't see anything. Everything is kind of obscured by these clouds, and they seem to be, although moving lazily, drifting around you. What do you want to do? I want to get right under one of the windows and start thinking about how I want to check on what's going on inside. I'm intrigued as to if I can like get an idea of what's going on inside or even break into the windows. So, you know, let's get up right under the windows and then have you know be able to make a decision. Let's see if I notice anything when we get up right under the windows. As Jorstak makes his way up underneath the windows, he crouches and looks both ways. Your heartbeat is calm. Go ahead and roll an investigation roll. And you have a plus one, whatever you roll. It was five. As you're sitting there, you put your ear up against the wall, trying to see if you can not necessarily hear anything, but maybe sometimes you can feel almost like the, the resonance of voices, but there's nothing. And just by you, one of these scientific bots goes flying by. It's kind of a sphere with a single eye and like two mechanical arms. And it's like carrying some sort of like, looks like some sort of plant life. And it disappears around the western corner of the building. And... As you continue looking about, you examine the windows. There's, they don't open at all. It would seem that, as of right now, the most obvious options for you to get in might be either trying to break your way through the windows, but again, you'd guess that it's probably reinforced, or trying to hack your way in through the door. Is there anything in the back of the building? So as you start making your way down to the back of the building, it's... You see this building is kind of like an odd shape in itself and that it has like many like weird weird indents and that the building is not just like some straight square of any sort, but that it's much bigger than it seemed at the front. But go ahead and roll a perception roll. Eight plus two would be ten. You see that there are what look to be dried spots of blood around the back long like kind of like caked over and it looks like there's no signs of 
whatever left it there. And for all you know, someone cut themselves. But you also see that around this back portion of the wall, you almost missed it, but you see that the there's like a about 12 foot in height and four feet in in width section of this back of the wall where the chromatic gray of it is slightly discolored and almost looks like it's made of a different material or that something's been burned up against it. Well, let's go check that out. Go ahead and make a, another investigation roll on that. 18. You get a strange scent that comes off of it. It almost smells like it smells like burnt chemicals that specifically comes from that shape. You kind of tap it. It doesn't give way. It's the same material, but someone or something has specifically done something there. You move your data pad up against it, and it starts giving these crazy readings. Um, it seems that there is a high amount of localized radiation in that one spot, causing you to kind of step back. And as you step back, you come to the edge of the, the floating platform, and the wind kind of rustles the back of your dreads, causing you to look down. And far down, you can see a ship docked underneath the building itself. Where the ship is docked, you can see a cylindrical tube that attaches from the top of this starship up into the bottom of the safe house. The cylindrical tube that would be used to travel from starship to safe house looks like it also has a white door on the side of it. It seems to have less of a reinforced look to it, but it does have a small data pad as well next to it. Listen, I want to try something crazy. My goal is going to be to take one of these flying science ships and then like see if I can like throw that at the back and cause an explosion that lets me get in. I, I'm, I'm paying attention now. I'm looking to see when the ones are coming by when I can find one that's in range. So there's a couple that are bigger and smaller, but they're all about that, again, that spherical shape. And you see one that looks like a, sh a shape of which maybe you could wrangle yourself and maybe redirect it. And it starts coming by you. I'm gonna sprint right at it with my dagger. I'm just gonna jump right on it and then stab it on top. Go ahead and roll an acrobatics check to jump on top of it. 22. You land on top of it with a <laughs> Go ahead and roll an attack roll with your dagger. I got six. <laughs> Pull the dagger out and get ready to bring it down. It hasn't calibrated to your weight quite yet. And then it kind of like trembles and dumps you. Go ahead and roll a uh, a die one hundred. Man, eighteen. <laughs> eighteen. That is so bad. It turns to the side where the platform drops off, and it completely dumps you off the side, sending you free falling. towards the ship that's docked below and as you're looking about you can see maybe one other scientific bot zooming by but other than than that scientific bot and the edge of the ship's wing 
those are your two chances to stop yourself from falling. Something's happening to my arm, and I, I, it, it's it's becoming like a little bit of like a parachute type wing that's giving me a little bit more time to stay in the air and and be able to like navigate towards the spot that I want to get to. And you kind of start trying to maneuver your way through the air in the particular way you want to use that. It's going to be kind of a survival check. Sixteen or eighteen. As I'm flailing, I'm able to get just a little bit of control of the air. It's a little bit of like a parachute. I see it. I I have to go down. I pull my body in, go fast aerodynamically, and I quickly land on the bot after being able to hold myself up just in time for it to land right under me. And it immediately drops like another 20 feet before it recalibrates and starts to zoom back, paying no attention to you. It, your fingers are kind of on top of its like main sensor, and these two little windshield wipers pop up, and they start swishing your fingers to the side so they can see. But other than that, it pays you no heed, and you, you hold on as it zooms in a circle beneath, about 20 feet beneath the starship, and that would be about 30 feet beneath the safe house. And as it's zooming around, you look down, and you can see it's it's holding like some sort of vial that is sealed off and you can see some of the orange atmosphere stuck within it and like these like small little like white pinprick what look like maybe insects that are bioluminescent turning white to blue within and it starts to zoom straight up at a breakneck pace and a breakneck speed and i need you to roll an athletics checks as what your purchase was is now kind of essentially turned into a wall that you're hanging on to as you're flying straight up Six. Oh, yeah, I won that one. Yeah. That's just brutal. That's just brutal. That is brutal. That <laughs> is brutal. As it's flying up straight towards the bottom, you realize, of the safe house, you now, for a second, get a moment where you can see how where all these bots are coming from and where they're going. There is another entrance chute that is directly underneath the safe house that the bots are going in and out of, like, like bees, essentially. And, you know, there's these, like, six triangular sharp teeth to this entrance that open and close as a bot's going in and you watch as the teeth open and the only problem is as you're going up your your grip is starting to slip and just as like you are about to make your way up and into this chute you, you your hand falls free and the, the, the dragon part of your hands the talons rip the back of the bot off and it kind of goes sparking up into the darkness of the tunnel it's going into. Just as you start falling off of it, and you're you're falling off of it right about halfway in the entrance of this tunnel. So your torso above where the teeth would go, and legs are below, and you see the, the teeth start to close inward on you, threatening to just cut you in half. My character just peed his pants. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna check really quickly to see if there's anything that around that can stop these teeth from closing in. You you can do that, but it's gonna be at disadvantage, and no matter what the result is, you're gonna have to make an action from there. Go you're gonna right. roll a perception roll at disadvantage, and disadvantage means you'll roll twice and take the lowest number. Okay, wow, that's not fun. Okay, first one's sixteen. That's so that's that's uh, eighteen. That's good. Second one is 17, which is 19. As you're looking around, you can your head kind of twitches back and forth as you're starting to fall and the teeth are closing. And you immediately notice 
that whoever created this tunnel for the science bots to go up and down in, they never finished the job. Panels are missing from the entirety of the tunnel. And the tunnel, just so you know, is probably about 10 feet in width. And not only that, but you can see ladder rungs on the sides of the wall, northernly, in front of you. But also, you can see all of the gears and mechanisms, like, just exposed because there's no paneling. And these are the gears and mechanisms of which, if you destroyed them or stalled them, would stop the teeth from closing in on you. As, I, as I'm falling, I'm cool, calm, and collected. I breathe in deeply. My back arches, my whole body torques, my neck goes backwards. I pull my arms behind my head, and then I and then I just blow forward, and an icy breath comes shooting from my mouth as towards the gears. slow to a stop the teeth coming in you know inches from around your body and the nice part is they came in close enough that you just throw out your elbows and you get caught and you're able to kind of catch yourself from falling down into the nothingness there's a little line of blood that kind of like pulls up the side where one of the teeth kind of cut you for one point of damage but other than that you're able to pull yourself up and as you take a step in you watch as an, a scientific bot comes up from beneath you and it tries to access the tunnel and the information isn't relayed that the door isn't open so it just slams into the bottom of it and then falls to the thing that's the orange clouds below and you watch as that happens a few more times and there's a few times where you have to move out of the way as a, a bot or two come back down the tunnel and just crash into it. You uh, find some safety leaned up against the edge of the walls looking around and at the very top about uh, 10 feet or so up, you can see a completely open top and the ladder leads up to this like open circle. You can't see what's up there, but it looks like the light of day is coming in. Jorstak then begins making his way up the ladder, one rung at a time. And one of the things you start to notice is as you get closer to the top, it's not the light of day rather than those just sterile fluorescent bulbs from above. Kind of like those square ones you'd see in a school classroom or an office setting. And the air is completely cleansed of anything. There's no sense, no nothing. Well, except for the now burning husks of the bots below, which kind of create this acridness. Now, as you come to the top, you pull yourself up over the lip of the edge and you find yourself in the corner of a room. Now the corner of this room, however, is partitioned off from the rest of the room by a glass wall. The glass wall as you come up and inspect it is uh, reinforced and based on your, your tapping on it, you realize it's reinforced against most weapons as well. You see, as you look through the glass on the other side, you see what looks to be like some, again, like a science outpost, but it seems to take on this look of kind of like a, an alchemist or a chemist's workshop where 
you can see all sorts of like various things burning. These Bunsen flames, or you see these shelves lined with all of these various different vials of different things, and you can see machines running different experiments, but you don't see a single person in the room. Actually, all you see, the closest thing to life that you see, is another floating bot, and this bot is probably about six feet in height, and it is kind of shaped like a bullet, and you see that it has just these little light flames kind of coming from the bottom, and you can see that it has six floating appendages coming off of it that hold various things. It seems to be attending the different uh, alchemical processes and experiments, and the head, the the top has a, a partition around it, and it shifts and turns so that you can see like a single green eye that looks at you, and below it, you see almost like, you, you do see a square, but it has like a line in the center of it that looks somewhat like a, like an audio line, if you will. Like, and that is completely flat until it says, Hello, And then you look to the side and you can see a small little circle in the glass wall where you can see it looks like all of the other iBots have been dropping off their samples through. It's just big enough that you could probably fit your arm out to your shoulder, but there's no way you could squeeze through. Next to that circle is a door, but the door has no exit out this side, but you can see a data pad on the other side. The bot seems to look at you for a bit more, and it then seems to register. And as it speaks, that waveform line goes up and down with its words, as it says, Oh, dear. You are not one of my babies. How did you come to be in here? And it comes closer. We're on the same side of the glass, or it's on the other side of the glass. Other side of the glass. I think that the sky's identity thing is time for that. My body starts having all these, like, square blue light boxes that kind of start appearing all over my body as, as every part of my body, like, transforms and begins coming out of these fake boxes looking like, looking like these, these bots. Pixelating and changing, and you turn into, using your disguise self spell, you turn into one of the scientific bots from outside. And now this main bot comes closer even more. The eye toggles and swivels in and out as if trying to zoom and see you better. And it is going to try and recognize you. Six. Immediately the voice says, Please, place sample to the truck. And then it goes back to its work. Now thinking that you're just one of it. All right, we're going to run back down there and grab a sample. Uh, we're going to put it wherever that robot wanted me to put it. The big okay. one. Mama, mama robot. You see, like, again, the hole to put it in. And as you approach it, there seems to be some sensor. And the hole, like, opens up with a hissing slide. And as it opens up and you put your hand through, you now see 
that at this angle, although difficult, it might be possible for you to reach around and because the, the data pad to open the door is next to it. Right. So it might be possible for you to reach around and uh, actually hack into it. And directly across from it, you can see that there is a big reflective mirror. So you can, you can kind of see what you're doing. And so long as you, as long as you put this item out and your hand is in the hole, the glass won't close back up on your arm. Can I see the bot? Yes. This room appears to be from the edge of the glass of where you are. It appears to be about 35 feet in length. It's more of a rectangle. And most of the outer walls themselves are lined with these like ex the various experiments going on, machines or uh, shelving units. You can see from where you are about southwardly, you can just barely see off of like the reflection of the mirror, the main door, because there is another room that also is to the side and it kind of like creates this L-shaped wall. So the main entrance is it's a little west and south of where you are. And so the mirror is kind of at a an angle where you can kind of see a little bit more of the room. And so you see this other room as well, uh, directly down to the south of you, you know, on the other side of the glass, but you can't really see what's in it. There's a single wooden work table in the middle of the room as well. And the bot is on the other side of the work table, as far away as it possibly can be at some sort of machine working away. The northern wall of the room has this, it's completely out of place. And it seems to be more of an aesthetic pleasure type thing. But there is like an old school gothic fireplace on the north side of the wall. We'll just try and hack in first. We'll see if we can get in. It's like a little keypad. You can make an interfacing check. And normally because you'd be doing it at a weird angle, I'd give you disadvantage. But with your hacker's kit, you have advantage. So you can actually, those two neutralize out and you can make one straight roll. Okay. <laughs> Oh, you're going to hate this. Is another nat one. Uh, <laughs> all right. So not only are you working on, on this, but you botch it so bad, you hear the system go. The bot swivels again, and it comes flying over. Just knocks the table over. Everything that's on it goes scattering across the, the, the floor. It takes another look at you. It rolled a natural 20 and its eyes like scan up and down you and you feel your disguised self just kind of burn away. And then the voice says, I pull out my rifle and try and shoot the bot in the eye. <laughs> First, describe how like your rifle appears and kind of what it looks like. And then you'll roll an attack roll. It's like a long sniper rifle. It just kind of like, the kind of pixelated uh, appearance uh, that I talked about in terms of how I transform, if that's coming from above my shoulder, and builds itself kind of out of nowhere, going forward a couple yards. A little, like, scope drops off of it onto my eyes to where I'm, like, looking. That gives me information on exactly where I'm aiming. The rifle, like, begins to start making almost like a the back of, like, the Batmobile boosting, right? Like, if I get ready to shoot, it starts kind of, like, shaking and shaking and it's like you know the tension is building there's sparks kind of flying and now 
12 plus... What, what? Plus 7. Hit. 28 plus 12 would be 40. Its HP was literally 39. Seems like it's fine, but like in this moment of stillness, as I dematerialize my weapon and it kind of like, you know, floats into pixie dust off of my shoulder, I'm just kind of like sitting there with my arm through it, watching, and it just starts to like, you know, twitch, and, and starts, you know, sparks start coming everywhere, and it just blows up. As that happens, you hear the alarm going off on the data pad again, and you watch as the lights overhead flash red, and you see the some of the windows that you were looking at before, like you're seeing them through the through the mirror to the other side where the main door is, and you watch as metal gratings come down, the a facility almost seeming like it's assuming it's under attack, and everything drops to this dim darkness. You look back as you hear the sound of metal grating. You see the portal from which you, that you had climbed up through completely close. Now there's no way in or out. You go and try and give the door a jimmy. It won't open. And you find yourself trapped. And I think for the purposes of bringing you into the game, as a guest player, I think that that's probably a good place to call it. Um. Dude, I'm glad you could join in on that, and I, I, I really seriously, I can't wait till, to have you uh, with some of the other players. Like, we absolutely, everyone gets pumped whenever they have like a guest player on, and it's, <laughs> it's always been fun. So, but um, yeah, so Jordan will be back with Jorstack, and we will see how he uh, comes into the story. But in the meantime, until then. Uh, Jordan, it's really has been a pleasure. And for anybody who's interested in learning a little bit more about you, because you're you're an intriguing guy. I mean, athlete, cosplay, there's a lot of cool things about you. Where can people go to follow you and support you in your journey? Uh, Instagram's a good place, you know, J- at Jamango underscore Runchained. Or, you know, you just slide in my DMs, uh, you know, hit me up anytime. <laughs> cool. All right, well, and uh, we'll make sure there's some links. So go check him out. He's an awesome guy. And uh, and maybe if you are liking this, you might just like the segue that goes into the athletic world and you can cheer him on as he prepares for USA's in Eugene, Oregon and making the run at making a world championship team. But until then, see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Starlight. If you enjoyed this, please like, share, subscribe. 
For early releases, exclusive RPG content, and other bonus material, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash starlightadventures. And to reach us for questions to be aired, email us at thestarlightadventures at gmail.com. See you next Tuesday, spacers. <laughs>